Welcome to the broadcast of Shi'ar Jeshub, brought to you by the congregation of Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and this Bible study program features the teaching ministry of my husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo. In today's edition, we will be listening to the conclusion of a sermon that was part of a larger Through the Bible series on Heavenly Authority. Pastor is in the book of 1 Samuel, chapters 19 and 20, and in our last program, we saw Saul fall down and prophesy by the Spirit as he was on his way to capture David. We saw David inform Jonathan of Saul's murderous intent, and we saw the arrangement they make for David to hide while Jonathan discovers his father's true feelings towards David at the New Moon celebration. Now, let's rejoin Pastor Greg. Then David hid in the field, and when the new moon had come, the king sat down to eat the feast. Now, the new moon celebration is a sacrificial meal. It's a religious um, and also in Israel at this time, a civil ceremony, the law required that they would take two young bulls, one ram, seven lambs, one kid of a goat. They would be offered in connection with meal that was mixed with oil. Um, and a trumpet blast would sound this feast, would sound the new month. And the sins that had been committed and were not expiated during the previous month were then covered by the offering of these sin offerings at the new moon celebration. The sinners received a type of atonement and they were reconciled to the Lord. So it was, a, it was a, an important religious ceremony and here the king as symbolizing the head of the people would celebrate uh, with those around him this new moon ritual, this new moon sacrificial meal. And he's there, and verse 25, Now the king sat on his seat as at other times on a seat by the wall. Remember the purpose of this feast is to remind them of sin, to do away with the sins they've committed the previous month. Now has Saul committed sins the previous month? Certainly in his attempt to try to kill David. But Saul can sit through this ceremonial feast and not be convicted of sin. And I think how many times there are those who claim to be Christians that sit in ceremonies or rituals, Christian ceremonies or rituals that should remind us of our sin. Baptism, communion celebrations, where we think how unworthy we are and how Jesus had to die for our sins. And the meaning of those ceremonies should be wonderful and beautiful. But the observer can sit there and participate and never have it once hit their brains that this is all to remind them of how sinful they are and how much they need God and what God has done, the sacrifice that was made for them. They could go week after week and sit at these celebrations, these communal celebrations. They could go up and receive communion every week and never know what they're doing. Never have the realization of their actions or what their actions are supposed to mean touch their hearts to understand 
the real meaning of the symbols. Saul here should be brought to repentance after his encounter with the Spirit of God at this new moon celebration, but he's not. He sits on his seat, as at other times, and Jonathan arose and Abner sat by Saul's side, but David's place was empty. Verse 26, nevertheless, Saul did not say anything that day, for he thought something has happened to him, and he is unclean. Surely he is unclean. Something has happened to make David ceremonially unclean, and he can't come and partake of the meal. Verse 27, and it happened the next day, in the second day of the month, that David's place was empty. And Saul said to Jonathan, his son, Why has the son of Jesse not come to eat, either yesterday or today? Where is he? Now, it sounds like an odd comment. Remember, a lot of the things that Saul has done, they're hidden. He sends his men to get David from Michael's house. He sends his men to Ramah to capture him. But a lot of it's being hidden, and he never actually takes David back and change, right? So everything to the average person looks like it's just normal. There's the king, there's Jonathan, there's Abner, the commander, and where's David? Plus, in his conversation with Jonathan, it's as though nothing happened. And there are some people like that, that they can cause all types of trouble, cause all types of problems, and then wake up the next day and, well, so what? It's like nothing happened. And they expect everyone else to go about normal life as though none of the troubles or problems or terror they cause ever happened. They're a little schizophrenic. They can one day want to murder you, and the next day want to give you a hug and say, how you doing? And again, that's a sign of what? Instability, madness. Saul is a mentally deranged man now. So where's David? Where's the son of Jesse? So Jonathan, verse 28, answered him, David earnestly asked permission of me to go to Bethlehem. And he said, please, let me go, for our family has a sacrifice in the city, and my brother has commanded me to be there. And now, if I have found favor in your eyes, please let me get away and see my brothers. Therefore, he has not come to the king's table. Jonathan saying that David requested to go to a feast with his family, his brothers, and Jonathan gave David the permission to go. He makes the story up to excuse David for not being there. The point of it is to see Saul's reaction. In verse 30, then Saul's anger was aroused against Jonathan. He's mad at Jonathan for giving such permission to David. Maybe he's concerned where David is because he wants to keep tabs on him, and again, he may want to capture him. His anger is aroused against Jonathan, and he said to him, you son of a perverse, rebellious woman. So he insults Jonathan's mother, his own wife. Do I not know, do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? So he's really becoming terribly, harshly insulting to Jonathan, who we know is a, a decent person. Verse 31, as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, you shall not be established nor your kingdom. Now therefore send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. He's just as murderous as before. There has been no change by the supernatural intervention, the circumstances that happened to his soldiers. There's been no change 
by the miraculous anointing that day and night in the spirit, prophesying before Samuel, there has been no change at the ceremonial meal to remind them of their sin. He is just as angry, just as jealous, just as murderous. He has no hesitation to touch the Lord's anointed. And that's a dangerous thing. Do not touch my anointed ones and do my prophets no harm, saith the Lord. Verse 32, And Jonathan answered Saul his father and said to him, Why should he be killed? What has he done? David's done nothing. And Saul cast a spear at him to kill him. So now the anger goes from David to his own son. He tries to pin him to the wall with the spear. By which Jonathan knew that it was determined by his father to kill David. Jonathan understands now that the spear almost got him, that the old man really is, is set on killing David. So Jonathan arose from the table in fierce anger and ate no food the second day of the month, for he was grieved for David because his father had treated him shamefully. Shameful. And so it was in the morning that Jonathan went into the field at the time appointed with David, uh, and it goes on, the whole very touching scene of how Jonathan shoots the arrows to show David that he's in danger. And then finally they, they meet, they talk, and they have to leave. They have to separate because Jonathan's father is set to kill David. But David will honor his word to Jonathan and later on save Jonathan's son. And David no longer has a part in Jonathan's household. This is a permanent separation at this point. He no longer has a place in the court. He loses his home. He loses his military position. He loses his wife. We talked about that several times back. He loses the encouragement and the camaraderie he has with Jonathan. We've seen he's even had to flee from Samuel, right? And the protection of Samuel. And really, he's all on his own. No human can protect him any longer. He's in exile, and he's all on his own. He's not with his family. We're going to see his family will come out to meet him, and he will have a group of men that will be drawn to him. But at this point, when he runs off, he's a person that's on his own. And we think about the psalm, because he's really not on his own, is he? And you can imagine the depth of despair that David is at in this point in his life. And yet the beautiful words of that psalm, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you, you, O Lord, are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Dave is not alone. He says, you are with me. God is with him. When everyone else has left, 
when we feel abandoned, when we feel hopeless, when we feel like there's no solution, the Scriptures promise us that He will never leave us nor forsake us. Heavenly Father, we desire Your presence every moment. And especially, dear Lord, in those times when it seems like we're so alone and it seems like the situation is so dangerous and perilous and hopeless. Father, we need you and help us to not be like Saul and not forget the bounty and the beauty of your spirit. That we would hunger and thirst, Lord, for your spirit. That we would ask and seek and knock and seek your face for the presence of your spirit. That you would be with us as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that you would bring us to a good and spacious land, Lord, that you would set our feet on solid ground because we trust in you, Lord, when there is light and when there is darkness. We trust in your goodness and your comfort. In Jesus' name, amen. The Fellowship of Sheer Jeshub Christian Tabernacle is dedicated to sending forth the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ and witnessing His salvation message to a generation at risk. And it would be encouraging to hear from our listeners. All correspondence should be mailed to Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle, Post Office Box 518, Branford, Connecticut, 06405. Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle meets at 10 a.m., at the Madison Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison, Connecticut. Please join us next time for Shi'ar Jeshub.